The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. It's so great to be with you this morning. Uh, Happy holiday for those who are celebrating uh, the Easter and Passover holidays. Uh, Many of you, many of my listeners know that the Cooper Hewitt, the Smithsonian's Design Museum, reopened uh, after being closed for several years. And there's been great publicity and buzz about this wonderful uh, coming together of uh, an old, wonderful, traditional uh, historic building with new uh, modern technologies. The Atlantic has called it the Museum of the Future. And today we have with us Sebastian Chan, who is the Director of Digital and Emerging Media at the Cooper Hewitt, and was involved in the reconceiving and rethinking of that organization. Uh, Many of you uh, are aware of Seb's uh, wonderful experience in digital media, and so I thought today would just be a wonderful way of getting to know Seb a little bit more, talking uh, about some of the things uh, now that the Cooper Hewitt's been open for a little bit, as well as what's on his mind today. So, Seb, welcome to the show. Thanks, Apes Carol. It's really, really good to be here. Well, Seb, one of the things, uh, as you know, uh, listening to the show, I ask all of my guests to introduce themselves a little bit uh, more. So if you would please share a little bit about your career trajectory, and particularly I'm interested, as my guests are, those experiences that have really shaped the way you uh, approach the project at the Cooper Hewitt. Sure. So so it's, so it's I've had an interesting tra- uh, trajectory. I didn't really intend to work in uh, you know museums at all but I fell in fell in that uh, two museums through uh, through really project you know project management in IT um, but my training is really in social work and I'm in, interested and have been interested in culture as a means for social change and I um, and I guess I see muse- museums as a um, occupying a rather unique, un- um, a rather unique position in our society, both as both as repositories of mem- uh, you know, memory, but also gathering of places. And I think that there's a lot that museums can uh, do in that 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 way. And having now spent six, sixteen years working in museums, they're incredibly exciting places. 
But if you'd asked me 17 years years ago, I would not have said I would end up working in a working in a museum at all. Um, so, and increasingly through that 15-year uh, period, I've become more interested in how people behave in museums and how people behave with uh, tech, technology, because of course this has co- you know, coincided with a huge uh, cultural shift in our own societies beyond museums, where te- technology and media, and uh, particularly networked um, tech, tech, technology, is so much part of our life um, now. Now, so much so that we don't uh, um, distinguish be- between being on the web and not on the web. We're just always on the internet. That's very interesting. Uh, so what was your first museum experience? Was it the Coop- Cooper Hewitt? Or uh, I believe you had a uh, you were working in museums in Australia, isn't that right? Yes, yes. Actually, I should have said I actually uh, worked in Australia for a long, 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 long time at the Powerhouse Museum. Um, and from, 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 from the Powerhouse Museum, I was also fortunate enough to consult for many other museums around the world and libraries too, which, which was a great diversion and, and opened me up to a whole lot of other ways of working around the world. And about four years ago, I um, moved from Australia to you know, New York um, uh, and began this project with um, the Cooper Hewitt, which which was a real, which was rather a rather unique opportunity to first firstly live in uh, you know New York, um, probably one of the furthest furthest away places from uh, Sydney, uh, about a twenty four hour flight, um, and also to uh, work 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 with a museum that was going to be rethinking itself completely. One of the challenges I found working. Um, in my later look, later years at the powerhouse, um, but also with other institutions, was that change could only be brought in one exhibition at a time, or one you know project at a time. And I um, felt this was a rather unique opportunity to get involved in some something that could actually be a com- um, a complete reboot. That is very interesting. I've never really uh, heard it described that way, but I, that uh, resonates uh, strongly with me as well. Can you? Put, why don't you just put the Cooper Hewitt uh, project into context for us? So clearly, it, as you just said, it was a was a was a, a complete rethinking. But for our listeners who may not have had the opportunity to visit New York or or know about the museum prior to its renovation, what did when you got there? What did you find? So when I arrived, the museum had already closed. It had just just closed. It had closed with a very popular uh, jewelry show. Um, and the house that that it in is the Carnegie Mansion on uh, the Upper East Side, uh, two blocks north of the Guggenheim. Um, a, a pre- on the surface, a very good location, um, but actually challenging in terms of uh, in, in, international national tourists. I think um, a lot of tourists, uh, Cooper Hewitt is not on their first or second. New York visit list. It may 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 be on their third or fourth, but most people only come to New York once or twice in their lives as tourists. Um, so we're not in that. Um, we weren't in the popular mind. Uh, secondly, a historic house, the Carnegie Residence, um, not actually pur- purpose built as a um, you know museum space at all, but donated to the Smithsonian in the 1970s. 
um, a collection that has its roots in the Cooper Union and the daughters of Peter, Coop, uh, um, of Peter Cooper, the Hewitt sisters, so a collection that isn't connected to the building, um, and also part of the Smith, uh, part of the Smithsonian, but um, perhaps not 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 one of the most well 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 known Smithsonian muse, museums. So we have an old house. We have a collection of decorative arts, predominantly from Europe, and collect, collected in the early 20th century. And we have increasingly, we, we had here, and what, I, what I'd become aware of at Cooper Hewitt from Sydney was a very, uh, a very progressive, future-focused future team, team within the education team here that was doing amazing uh, work teaching design thinking pra- practices and, um, the, and the like. Um, in education programs, both across the nation and within the museum itself, but an education team in the museum that that was not a traditional museum team, which would generally talk about the collection and its relevance and use 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 it as a teaching aid. So um, it was an interesting amalgam of um, historical. Um, uh, constraints, uh, but also a big desire of uh, clearly within the instant, within the museum uh, to turn into some new type of uh, museum, uh, a museum that wasn't perhaps held cap- captive by its collection as as much as it had been. So I think you know my you know my back background, particularly at the Powerhouse, the work I was doing at the Powerhouse, uh, perhaps surprisingly to some, was incredibly collection focused. And I think what what I've been interested in is the way that we've seen in recent times museums shift shift away from a collection focus. Collections are not fa- fashionable things, it appears, and so it's all about public programs and events and how you can get people into your build building or get people engaged with activities that um, perhaps are. Um, that perhaps are inspired by the collection but aren't focused on the collection. Um, so, so my my um, my uh, my work previously had been about saying actually, well, look, museums keep keep these collections for a reason, and there may be things that we may not collect nowadays that we did 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 collect in the past, and the Cooper Hewitt is full of those because pre pre Smithsonian days. Um, the Cooper uh, the, the the collection as it was at Cooper Union was collected for entirely different purposes. Um, it may not have had a strategic collection policy. Those sorts of things. Those sort of things are, are very are very modern conceptions. Anyway, so um, you know, I think my interest was also to see if it was possible to read to bring the collection to uh, to the, uh, to the fore using tech, technology and media. I think that's uh, that's very interesting uh, to me. I uh, I agree with you that there there has been a trend, uh, probably over the last fifteen years, of uh, museums almost apologizing for their collection and uh, uh, trying to create almost a sleight of hand, saying, "Well, yes, we have all these things, but look over here at this new shiny thing that we have." Uh, you know, whether it's an exhibition or a program or some multimedia uh, activity. So it sounds as if um, that your goal was to use the technologies of the time and perhaps some new ones to reacquaint uh, people with the the collection and the objects themselves. Am I understanding that? Yes, yes. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I have said before 
before in, uh, when talking about this. So I, I was also interested, and I think the museum as a whole was, in, in dif- differentiating what a design in a museum is in a op- um, as different from uh, being a uh, you know, museum of fine arts or even a museum of decorative arts, that perhaps a designed museum is more concerned about the processes, the choices, the human choices in the making of things. Um, perhaps not as much as a science museum is concerned about how things are made. The design museum is concerned about the choices people make as things are made. Um, and so could, 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 could we start to reveal those uh, things in the collection and through the collection and through the museum experience? We also, of course, wanted, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about the internet and the web and all of this about give, giving us national and global reach and all of this. But if you're rebuilding a building, you also want to make the building something that is a unique experience too. So we wanted very much to make the museum, the, the physicality of the museum work, work, work for us better and um, not be in op- opposition to, you know, the network. Um, so folding the network into the building itself um, and putting the building on the net, net, network and, and blurring, as I think we see ourselves do in, in, um, in, ev- um, in everyday life, uh, blurring that border be- between uh, the physical world and, in quotes, the virtual world, uh, which, which is not really a d- distinction we make anymore, I think. I mean, I don't believe we do. I, I think we just don't see a difference now. Our social, social, social relations we have on the web are our social relations, just as much as they might be in another context. I think that is an important point to to keep in mind. I'm not trying to be um, uh, simplistic about it, but uh, but I have seen that the uh, the institutions that seem to be understanding and and uh, understanding how the digital world can be helpful are those institutions that, as you say, have blurred the lines and institutions that perhaps have been doing well before uh, the digital revolution, if, if you will, are now seeing it more as an overlay and perhaps there there is more of a of a border or a line being drawn that uh, if if it could be blurred a little bit more, might open possibilities. It certainly sounds as if that's the way you were beginning to work at the Cooper Hewitt. Certainly, certainly. I think, you know, the building also posed a number of very particular challenges to us. I think, you know, we talk um, in the museology about threshold fear, and I think one of the challenges in a, hist- um, um, a his- historic house is that these are buildings that have been designed to be private spaces. Um, and and Drew Carnegie's house of all places was an extremely private place. Um, it has a very large fence. It has all this sort of the the physicality of the build building was not, um, let's say, the most wel- wel- welcoming one. So I think we had some interesting uh, challenges to deploy in the re- re- restoration of the build building. And so we've used tech- technology to try to give visitors an explicit permission to do things in the building, uh, permission to play, we call it. Um, and also because of the way the building is sized and the way the building is laid, laid out, at least on the first and the second floors as a series of domestic scale rooms, um, we also made some choices about the interactive experiences 
um, and the scale and size of, um, of those playing more towards uh, a sociality rather, 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 rather than, say, deploying a mobile app that might have people staring down at their, their phones as they walk around through these narrow doorways and such. Not such a great idea. So, you know, trying, trying to always encourage what we would call, I guess, a look-up experience in um, the museum, not only to look up at the objects, but also to look up so you see where you're going. Um, these are constraints, I think, that are, are somewhat un- 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 unique to the domestic scale of the building itself. Uh, I, I like that term very much, uh, look up. And also, uh, what was that, uh, the other term you used, sociality? Uh, uh, sort of sociality. sociality. I think, you know, I think one of the things that we, 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 we knew about the Cooper Hewitt was that um, we needed to change, uh, we needed to add uh, to and diversify the visitorship. Um, and and part of that meant um, creating experiences that were explicitly social um, and so we've, we opt, opt, op, opted with the interactive experiences to have these very social experiences in very large interactive tables in, in some areas that all, almost operate as a dining kind of table experience where you talk across the tab, tab, table or with um, uh, the people around you uh, rather, rather than being involved in a solitary you know, task. Um, so, so the design, both physically and um, at uh, the interaction layer, the the, inter- the interaction de- de- design on those screens as well has been very much focused on encouraging social play. Well, you certainly set out a a. Uh large but very important number of goals for the project, and uh, I want to hear a little bit more about how you uh, worked with your team to achieve those. But before we do, I never want to interrupt uh, thought process, uh, we are going to go ahead and take our first break of the two breaks that we take during the show, and when we come back, more uh, with Seb Chan talking about the Cooper Hewitt. So please uh, stay tuned. Uh, Thank you so much, always, my listeners uh, from around the world, including the Ukraine and uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, I'm always very gratified uh, that you find this, uh, this show so useful and valuable to you. So we will be back in a moment. Remember, you're listening to Carol, Carol Bossert. This is Museum Life. We'll be back in a moment. Number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows. As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bosser. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bosser at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and I am here with Seb Chan. And we've been talking uh, a little bit about the uh, Cooper Hewitt, the Smithsonian's uh, Design Museum in New York City, and about the challenges of it being in an old house, uh, being primarily a decorative arts collection. However, it is a design museum, so it's a process museum. And uh, that is what Seb inherited when he uh, he arrived in in New York to uh, to try to make uh, some significant changes. The museum had closed. And Seb, as we were talking uh, a little bit during the break, and, and I think you mentioned some very important things that I, that I want to discuss on the air, and that is you were really uh, working in uncharted territory in many regards and taking on a lot of risk. Uh, and could you talk a little bit about how uh, how you were able to achieve that, both because of philanthropic support as well as your board support? Yeah, sure. Look, I think you know th- that's been the. Th- this is one of the other very unique things about the Cooper Hewitt uh, tra- transform- uh, transformation. We've had a very involved and engaged board. Uh, we've had a board that has also changed during uh, the- this period and been incredibly supportive of the bold steps. Um, we've had a very supportive um, executive as well that I sit on, but um, we've been through... Bill Mogridge was the director, director when I arrived and um, he set in motion a lot of the think, thinking around this. Uh, Bill um, had a back, background in the design world with IADO and it, it, you know was a genius in, in that regard. And I think when he passed away in 2012, um, you know, we, we, we managed to shift 
uh, and now our direct, direct, director, Carol Bowman, who was the deputy uh, before, has continued on that uh, push towards being a different sort of uh, museum and brought the board along with us. The other critical piece, of course, uh, has has been for the tech, technology piece, the, the support of Bloomberg Philanthropies, and 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 we 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 received a very large amount of support from them. Um, an unprecedented amount, in fact, from them um, through their Bloomberg Connects program, which which had pre- previously supported media guides and audio guides in museums and some of the location-based media guides that we see at the Met and at MoMA and nat- nat- Natural His- History and the like. Um, this, what, what we went to them with um, was a proposal from the museum and local projects for some something that was completely diff- different and hadn't 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 been done b- before, um, and at a scale that I don't think had been done b- before either, and I've termed that b- uh, in some of my writing venture philanthropy. And I think that's it's 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 an interesting it was an interesting uh, and critical piece. Um, you know, I think Bloomberg Philanthropies had. Uh, had a belief that if anyone could pull pull this off, it was probably the teams in, the teams involved. Uh, we had his, 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 his history for doing risky things. Um, local projects was well known as well, and um, the Cooper Hewitt, I think, they also saw was in a unique position to do a game-changing piece. Um, and uh, I would say that, that that acceptance of risk is something that um, it is what made a lot of this possible, and the and the and the, the embracing of of that by the museum staff, people we worked worked with, the board, and the philanthropists. Uh, all of those elements were completely critical to getting even close to pulling it off, um, uh, because. You know, it's important to remember too that the technology piece was also occurring in what ended up being a a ninety-one million dollar renovation of the build building as well. So it's not like the technology piece was added on to business as usual in the museum. The museum itself was going um, going going through enormous structural change as well and physical change. So a lot of parallel projects, um, which, which which I would say perhaps. Um, contributed to the ability to take on risk. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure of that, but I get this. Get this feeling that there is a moment when all of the things around you are changing. That adding another change into the mix is often not as bad as it sounds. That's very, very interesting. I, I too, am always fascinated as to you know, sort of what the recipe of success is. Uh, you know, what are we can count? Uh, you know, institutions that have made huge leaps in changing their their uh, the way of doing things, and as a result, also changing the field and changing our conversations. And you know, it's not magic because it all comes down to human beings, but I think that that point that you're making, that when there's an awful lot of change going on, uh, no one can stand up and say, well, we've never done it that way before, because of course 
course, no one's ever done any of this uh, that way before, and you can't. And uh, so those those dream crushing uh, statements probably don't hold the same sway. That's right. Yeah, I, th I think there was a there was a great openness to try, um, which which was very unique, uh, very unique. And I th I think that that's what makes this difficult to rep replicate. There are certainly lessons to to learn from what the Cooper Hewitt has done and the way the Cooper Hewitt has done it, both good and bad, um, <laughs> I have to say, but also that um, uh, these are not easily replicable because of the, con the con con context of that change was so specific. And, um, I'm, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, Seb. Um, I know that there... It is so easy, um, particularly in our field, uh, because we are, we're a small field, we're a small industry, uh, and it's very easy for any of us to go into what I call uh, uh, benchmark envy of saying, well, <laughs> <laughs> and I am sure that there are many institutions uh, and many individuals that are very envious of, of what you've accomplished and, and uh uh, and, and your particular position, it does sound uh, quite enviable, but, but as you say, that there were, were very specific uh, th uh, uh, attributes that have made it that way. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about the team you put together? You talked about local projects, uh, but sure. I know that there were a number of other individuals and uh, firms that you brought together, and I... And just tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. I mean, the uh, the whole the, the the entire the entire project worked with as many as thirteen design firms, each doing different different elements um, from the historic re restoration through 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 to the garden re restoration that's going on now in time for summer. Um, the technology piece, though, um, you know what what had happened. My position was created um, in late twenty eleven. Um, and I came across, and that was sort of about setting up a team to do digital and to think about digital inside the museum itself. And it was the team, it's, it's a mix of the team that's been pulled, pulled together at the museum and the way that team has worked with the rest of the museum and the rest of the Smithsonian as well, because being, being a part of the bigger Smithsonian, we share... Um, we share policies, procedures, and infrastructure with uh, the the big museums down on the mall, um, as well as then uh, working with and and very much in our case working with uh, local projects, um, a firm in Spain called Cistel Net Networks, GE's um, Design Council, who helped work with Cistel uh, on the the physical design and manufacturing of the pen. Make simply a firm that brokers ma manufacturers in Taiwan, um, and 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 many others, in fact, and uh, Dillis Gifridio and Renfro and Sink, who were the exhibit designers for the different floors, a whole range of folks. So, um, I think the the the, the difference the difference that I see when I look at other uh, when I look look at other museums is that often, well, certainly for the last de decade, uh, more so since. Uh, the 2008 financial crisis, museums have let go of a lot of their in, their internal um, uh, their, in, their their internal specialisation, uh, and um, 
that means in some ways that they outsource a lot of their creativity around um, 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 exhibit design and also uh, did, uh, did digital media design and production. And one of the things we did here, one of the one of the roles of of my position was to create a team in here that had some internal capacity, at least at the bare 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 minimum, to, to keep contractors honest. So, so the museum had internal specialties and knew what the outsourced teams we were working with were actually talk, talking about. So that sort of um, institutional knowledge cap, capital, I guess, was in the institution. Um, so that, that, that's been a critical part. So I have a very, very talented team here who we've hired uh, and pulled together um, we have Aaron. Um, we have Aaron Cope, who was previously at Flickr and at Stamen. Uh, we have uh, Sam Sam Kinder Brenner, who's the research graduate of the ITP program. Uh, we have Katie Shelley, who's an illustrator um, and video video maker, and My- Michael Walter, who was the museum's web 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 webmaster, but has grown far out of that role to date, which is great. And I think there's there's been an internal capacity with that team. To build working prototypes, and with that, I mean the the ability to make things that we can take to internal staff to socialise those those ideas and turn um, turn those what if statements into well, here's some 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 something. Is that what you were thinking it might might be like? And that that gives us the ability to then work with other with other firms to either realise those ideas better. Or in our case, also build the in, in, infrastructure that sits beneath the work that local projects did. So these big interactive table experiences in the museum itself uh, actually connect to the to the museum's web API. So the infrastructure that runs those tables uh, we have also built in house, which allows those tables to not only be an experience you have now, but they're also an, an experience that um, the museum. Can, um, can, um, continues to support and build upon, uh, as well as ensuring that those achieve the other goals of the project, which was to give visitors a way to get their stuff later. Uh, of course, that means it's all got to be connected to the web, um, and so there's almost a, a, a the way it's, the way that technology piece has been designed is that there isn't a separate in gallery experience and web experience in terms of the plumbing, even though there is at the interface end of things and what the visitor actually experiences. So that sort of internal capacity build building, I think, is, has been very, 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 very important. And, and one of the things I would stress is, is one of the best and biggest lessons from this hire good, good people, bring them, in, bring them in-house and let them make them, in fact, do more than just manage contracts and projects. That's get them to make actual things to help um, you and the organisation think think about the future and for honest uh, and if we're honest the the present and, and and that's led led through to some of the work that we've done in the cura- curatorial realm too with collect collecting soft software and code as design objects and things like that for for the collection so actually you know working across the the, the, the organisation in that way too. 
that is a very important lesson, and I'm glad you, you shared that. So um, just before we go to break, what are some of the other things that you feel you got right? Yeah, so I think we got, we, got, uh, we, we got a fair amount of things right. I think we've seen a vast trans, 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 transformation in uh, how visitors behave in the museum as a result of good exhibition design, uh, good ob- ob- object selections, a good curatorial practice there, basically, and also uh, the tech- technology piece that has seen people spending far more time in our galleries as well and doing more things. They've, they've, they've really become uh, visitors that aren't just looking at pretty things in case, cases, but actually look looking at pretty things and then doing um, stuff as well, which has been, for this place, a big shift, um, and I would say that that's probably been the biggest su- success. Is it's not really about the technology; it's about what the technology, in the, in the conjunction with all the other experiences, has made the museum feel like. How that feeling of the museum has changed. Um, so, of course, the visitorship has diversified as well, which was very very important for us. And I think um, it's also, I would say oriented the museum very much more towards um, a customer serve, service visitor experience model uh, where the customer's experience or the visitor's experience is primary. Um, and, we've, and that goes all of the way through to pretty good coffee in the cafe now, which is great for an Australian. I'm particularly fussy about coffee and they make a pretty good flat white, which is good for me. Well, that is very important, uh, and I'll, I'm going to remember that next time I'm in Manhattan and I need uh, a good cup of coffee. Uh, so, what are some of the, a couple of the things that you're tweaking? Yeah, so there's there's lots. I mean, there's an ongoing. Um, none of the things that we've deployed either on the web or in the gallery are in any way what I would see as the final, final product. Indeed, they're not supposed to be. These are all supposed to be works into progress that that continue to work, to grow in functionality. I don't necessarily mean that we keep adding features to them, but as we add features, we might take, take away some uh, features. We, 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 we improve the experience. Um, this is part of the infrastructure now, so we keep growing and improving that. It's not like gallery in, interactive is now done and we move on. Um, we talk in the institution or we talk in my team particularly about a shift from the museum delivering products to now running serve services. And I think that that's been something that, that, that is um, challenging for the museum. I think the way museums as a whole are set up uh, around an exhibit and a publishing model is that the measure of success traditionally in museums has been the putting on of the exhibition or the publishing of the book or the catalogue, not necessarily the experience of the exhibition or the experience of the reader uh, beyond maybe sales. Um, And so that shift from uh, making products that that really, when they go live, you move on and work on the next thing to services where... This is a service that you launch and you keep improving and you keep supporting and you keep using and doing. Um, and the user, the user is very much part of how that service improves is a huge shift. And, and, and that's one that needs structural change um, and it's one that needs 
um, a complete um, manage, management rethink in many many ways. And, and and this is this is where I think you know we talk a lot about muse- museums and libraries, the borders be- be- between those two collapsing. Libraries are very good at running services, and museums have been pretty good at making products, exhibitions, catalogues, those sorts of things. Uh, but in fact, if we're seeing libraries and museums coming together into one sort of hybrid institution type, um, museums have to get much, much better at running services and having the internal staff capacity to run those services too and the way of um, think, thinking about what it actually means to run a service. There's no end date to a serve service. The service just keeps on going. It's like... Um, you know, I think museums have experience in this when they talk about their permanent collections on show and how we think about those permanent collection exhibits as being 20 years long. And we all run in horror from that, that, that idea, oh, we're going to put out a permanent collection thing. This is in other museums. You know. Right, right. Do we right. have to do that permanent collection thing? Oh, it's going to be 20 years. It's like, yeah. Everything is like that now. You know, the web is like, like that. It's a commitment. It's a promise to people that your stuff is going to be around for that, that, that length of time. Very, very good. I hate to break this, but we are going to break for our second uh, and uh, second break. And when we come back, uh, Seb and I are going to talk uh, a little bit more broadly about uh, what the future holds and the uh, uh, the future of the Cooper Hewitt and the future of museums. Uh, so stay tuned. You're listening to Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We will be back in a moment. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Do you feel like you are alone in a desert? Often we feel alone with no place to turn for help and guidance in our troubles that always seem to be so overwhelming. Stop. Take an hour each week to tune in to Stream in the Desert with Dr. Rita Huang. Dr. Rita will share stories of people just like you, intended for you to find some inspiration in their problems and solutions. The most important thing is that you are not alone. Others have been in the same place. 
Share some time with us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, and on demand on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and uh, today I've been having a wonderful conversation with Seb Chen, and I hope you've been been enjoying it as much as I have. Seb has really been uh, sharing with us some of the lessons that we can take away from the Cooper Hewitt, including not to be uh, envious and thinking that we can do everything that that institution can do. Every institution has its own set of uh, of, of givens and challenges, and we all have to make our own way in that regard. But right before we went on break, uh, Seb was talking about this sort of uh, shift, and it's more than just a vocabulary shift, but the shift from a museum uh, thinking of itself as someone that produces things, uh, exhibitions, catalogs, uh, to being one uh, more of service. And personally, I'm not quite sure that that's the word either, but uh, I'm sure we'll continue to to uh, refine that vocabulary. Um, Seb, I'm, I'm interested in uh, talking about that a little bit further, particularly as we sort of spread now our, our lens to look at the museum field writ large. Uh, sort of, you know, as you look at that with your, your sort of new framework, where you know what do you think museums are doing right and where do you think we've sort of moved on into tangents yeah look i think um it's it's interesting to watch different types of uh, museums struggle with what i think in what i think in think internally they they think of as rele- relevance and i think it's interesting that museums internally talk about how could we we be relevant because i think at the same, same, same time, we're seeing a huge public fascination in museums, and we're seeing that with num- numbers generally going up around the um, um, around particular museum types. Um, and I think there's a lot of lessons for different museum types from, say, contemporary art museums and um, historical museums, and some of the work that's going on. Uh, around the different types of museum are interesting, but I do think that there is also a desire in the public mind to re-engage with what museums actually are for. Um, and, you know, I think museums as repositories, uh, particularly of collections, need to figure that out pretty fast, um, particularly as we've seen also the sort of evaporation of contempor- um, c- contemporary things that we may wish to collect and we might have collected in one uh, form in the past for example, photographs, those are evaporating into media now and, and we don't have the ways to do that. And I do also think that there will be other types of institution that fulfil those societal needs for 
mem- memory and conservation pres- uh, pres- uh, preservation that are not necessarily going to be museums. Um, and that, that's an interesting challenge that I think is coming to um, the, the museum field. And so museums as a field need to figure out collectively how to deal with that and what change, change, changes we're going to make and what um, sort of re- re- renewed promise we will make with our communities and how we define those communities too. One of, one of my favourite museums in New York is the Morbid Anatomy Museum, which, which is not a museum at all of its local community necessarily, but of people who are interested in taxidermy and, and um, rit, rit, rituals around deaths and things like that, um, and anatomical collections, that cabinet of curiosities sort of model. And I, I, I guess what's interesting with a, with a new type of museum, with, with a new museum like... Um, the Morbid Anatomy Museum is that they began as an on kind of line blog um, and they turned from a blog into a physical museum with a collection and with public programs and all those things but with a with a distributed community that 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 comes together for these events that happen in their spaces some of them being exhibits some of them being market kind of days, those, those, those sorts of things. So that's happening sort of at one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spe- spectrum, you have people like the Internet Archive, Brewster Carl, Carl's project in San Francisco. You know, it's backing up the, in, the, in, the Internet at, at one end of things, but it's also been doing amazing things like making, a, making available almost all of the video games that you played as a child um, in your, you know, web browser, which would have traditionally been the preserve of com, um, com, um, computing and te- technology museums, but there's something about what the Internet Arch- Archive's been able to do about saying, well, at the end of the day, the best form of preservation of these historical um, uh, things, but also the cultural and social pra- practices around the playing of video games involves us just collecting all the video games and because we're on the internet we can just do that and we're going to take a bold play and claim a bunch of fair fair use and fair dealing and other uh, legal protections to uh, do do so and what we're going to d- deliver to our publics for free is this service of an experience of how things were um, which sounds to me very much what, like what museums were doing uh, except there's something dif- different in that promise that they've made and I, I do think that museums need to figure out, re- renew their promise with their communities, figure out what those promises are first and then re- renew them with where, wherever their communities are now uh, scattered to. I, I was very interested uh, right before we went on break when you were talking about a, uh, the Internet being a place of commitment and museums needing to uh, uh, to make sure that they they have that commitment. Um, the uh, brought to mind the the recent uh, you know sort of perhaps tempest in the teapot, but uh, in the museum world it it uh, sparked our attention, and that that was the um, decision to move a hallowed uh, dinosaur uh, uh, fossil uh, skeleton from the center of the museum and and replace it with something else. And and how that uh, really uh, created a great hue and cry within uh, the community, which is a national community, of not wanting that change. And I'm wondering.
wondering if that is also part of our, our commitment, that there are some things that we can count on in our museums. And it doesn't mean that it's, we're not dusting them. It just means that we understand that they're important touchstones for our communities. Does that resonate with you? I think so, yes, yes. And I remember uh, certainly at the powerhouse there were some very much loved interactive exhibits that had been on the floor since 1988 that if anyone thought about touching or moving, um, you would be told in in no no kind of certain terms by visitors, no, that they wanted them there. They wanted them there because they had um, themselves experienced them as a child and they wanted their, 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 their children to have the same experience. Um, but I do, and, and, and in some ways that's, that's also what the opportunity is with some of the work we, 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 we do on the web as well. Um, you know, I think fortunately we've started to move away from making exhibit microsites and those little, I think they call them sitelets here, but anyway, those little exhibit-specific things to, to saying actually what, what this is really about, and this is one of the big things we've done at Cooper Hewitt, is that everything that is in the museum, be it a loaned, a loaned piece or not, is online. Um, all those videos, everything. And so, you know, that's been a promise on our case, and, and, and this is part of the way some of the tech, technology requires that in the museum itself, is this promise that we want to have a record of all the things that have passed through this building. Um, and, and that's an important promise that we have to the community that uh, we have these collections or we've had these objects passing through and you should be able to point at those. You should be able to point back and say, hey, yes, I saw that then there um, and I want to know more, more, more about it and we should be there when, when you need it, um, uh, whether there's an exhibition about that top topic or not. And, and I think that's, that's sort of a, a bit like a library, um, but not the same. Um, obviously, it's it's much harder, and it's it's a different different form of stuff too. Um, but I think also that that you know that that it is this sense that online, um, the online the the communities that we reach and the communities we engage with may not be the same as the ones that work walk into our physical build buildings. Um, and I think that's certainly been the experience at the Brooklyn uh, Museum. Shelley, you know, you know, Burn. You know, Bernstein there, their VP of tech, um, uh, talks about that, uh, that, that a lot. And, and, and I think museums collectively are very much trying to figure out who they're for and what they have that is unique for those whoever they're for. Um, and um, uh, that may be, I, I would say that it's context-specific. Context um, there's different things that we can be, be, be for in our build buildings uh, and there's different things we can be for through our programming and um, online and whatever is coming in the future um, because there are m- massive changes coming in the fu- future too. So if we think it's been challenge, challenge, challenging in the last 20, 20 years, I can only imagine it's going to be twice as hard uh, in the next 20, 20 years. <laughs> 
Well, I don't think any of us need, uh, should be shy about uh, taking on some of these these challenges, particularly those of us who, as as you believe that museums have a positive role to play uh, in society beyond simply being individualized institutions that produce products. And I really appreciate some of the uh, thoughtful conversation that we've had uh, today. I know it's uh, it's going to help me uh, just articulate some of the thoughts that have been. Uh, you know, running through my head of, of how uh, how we can uh, uh, shift our conversations a bit. Uh, so in this uh, last minute, Seb, you also write significant work. Uh, you have several blogs. So could you just mention to our listeners where they can uh, read more about your thinking? Sure. So the Co uh, Cooper Hewitt Labs, uh, labs.cooperhewitt.org, um, con uh, contains all the thoughts of my team. We try to blog there reg regularly about the work we're doing and share it as well as evaluation and research we're doing. Uh, fresh and uh, kind of new.org is my per personal mu museum diary, I guess, that I've been doing now for almost 10 years. Uh, it tracks all through my work at the Powerhouse through to here and work with other places as well. Um, but mostly I'm on Twitter, at Seb Chan, um, and anyone who wants to... Um, tweet me questions, welcome um, those. Uh, it's interesting to see the shift um, from, from blogs to um, more light, lightweight ways of talk, talking about things. And I do miss the discussions I used to have 10 years ago in comments that I don't have now. Uh, we have more patchy discussions on Twitter or more ephemeral di discussions on Twitter. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, and... And I think we will leave it uh, there, this, uh, this session. Uh, it has been wonderful talking with you, Seb. Thank you so much for your time, and good luck on the uh, continued work that you're doing at the Cooper Hewitt. Uh, we will be back next week with another uh, uh, program of Museum Life. Thank you all for listening. Uh, remember to drop me a line if you have something that we, you think we need to be talking about. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.